we're about to do some recording. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, no. To like, it's not happening. I did. So let me tell you what I did. I did the worst thing ever. I did. A, I did. Um. Uh, Colin Coward. Colin uh, Coward. He had when he was on ESPN. I guess he had a a, a simulcast of his radio show on right. ESPN Dose yeah. or Trace or Quattro or something, and shot it at UM on campus and invited me on and so what I realized we were doing was the worst fucking thing ever. Yeah. We were doing a radio show in front of a live audience and television. I was yeah. like, oh, these three mediums do yeah, not totally can be able to at all. This write a book while you're at There's like no way to like <laughs> satisfy all three of these audiences right, at the right. same it's like where's the big like but you want to satisfy the live people because they're the motherfuckers who are right there. Yeah, exactly. Sure, yeah. And well, then, yeah, that's why the site, that's why site gags, you kind of say to the people that didn't show up, fuck you, you don't get the site gag, right. you know? Yeah. But and like, it's funny it's that you impossible. say that because we actually have a site gag. Luckily, we have a lot of site gags planned yeah. for today. We should oh, walking they should work out, they should work great. They should work out great. <laughs> are we, are we doing a podcast right now? Oh yeah. Technically, yeah. Yeah. But like, Has it started? I feel like Mark Maron right now. We start, we started like five minutes ago. Okay. So wait, before we get into it, we have both I'm glad I didn't say anything randomly racist for no reason. That's good. Now that I know we're recording. We have both of our guests here and before we get to the programming itself. Uh, we got to give props, Jewish Dave, for the longtime listeners. He won the um, he won the weight loss contest. Mazel tov. Yeah. Thanks everybody. He, he I, beat I'm, me. I I did not lose nearly as much weight. I don't want to get into numbers. How much have you lost so far? I don't want to get into numbers. Ah, okay. Um, but <laughs> wait, well, I, I'm sorry. It's I've been about working, my, I've been working my ass off so I could gloat about like my numbers. Like literally, like literally worked his ass off, yeah. bro. But he like, has much no, less ass now. But yeah. how yeah. how you. It's weight loss. You have to talk about the numbers. That's the whole... Okay, Dave, why don't you go over your numbers and I'll go over mine. I'm down about 44 pounds right now. Whoa! What? Not not since uh, a month ago, but about three months ago. So from three months ago when we started this process, I am down about 28 pounds, but I weigh a lot more than him. Wow. And so body percentage-wise that... Well, he lost more of himself than I lost of myself. He could lose another 20 pounds in a second by shaving that beard, I'm (laughs) guessing. So I'm going to wear my my punishment, my penalty that we didn't talk about is the loser would rock the special order this (laughs) (laughs) the Marco Rubio jersey. Wow. Wow! Custom. It should it should it should have a Bible quote on it. <laughs> oh! Oh no! It looks good. It looks good. Ay, Dios mío! You shouldn't feel bad. I should not have eaten all that food. It's <laughs> too much food. I thought no, I'll start I'll start losing it tomorrow. It'll get better. I'll be fine. There's um, always tomorrow. So I'm Q. And I'm Jewish Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. So, first of all, we want to thank uh, Alfred for booking us. Uh, he's around here somewhere. There he is. Thank you, Alfred. Woo! Alfred. Hey! Uh, David and Cece Rodriguez from Union Beer Store. This is our live show, our first live show in Miami. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to the show. i got to run through all of our little uh, plugs and promos. Um, buy IPAs if you're listening to me. Buy some IPAs. Or, or lager if you're not, you know, one of these conceited bastards. Um, uh, this is our first live show in Miami, so we're really glad to be in my home. I can't even read the notes that are like in, in blue. I know blue is a poor choice that for our really highlighters. <laughs> so we got our guests here with us, uh, Nucleus Shelton and Billy Corbin. We're going to get into it with them in a, in a moment, but first let's let's do like a, 
a quick rally, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, is Miami's the best city that there is? Yeah, I mean, right? it, you know, it, fuck Denver, basically. You fuck know? Denver, that's yeah. right. Fuck Denver. Ooh, yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck Boston. Fuck Boston. Yeah. Oh, We're right. in Miami right now. Right. Okay. Fuck, who else is fuck? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Bangladesh? That's not cool, dude. They just have, like, a bunch of people dying in Bangladesh. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, get fucking. And it's not even a city. It's a country. God damn. Let's move on. Let's so move stupid. On. Quick. <laughs> Quick. Um, move. So first... You know, when you lose that much weight that quickly. Yeah, part of it's from the, the brain, brain power. Yeah. From the receptors. But look, but look at how skinny and sexy he is right now. Thank so, you. Thank you very you much. Know. Thanks, he, he doesn't. He doesn't look like some kind of, like, Honda Civic in a Marco Rubio jersey. You know, so. <laughs> the Honda Civic is a practical and affordable vehicle. I take that oh as a compliment. Thank you. Wow. Nice. Dale. Um, so I guess we should probably begin by uh, addressing the... Newspaper in the room. Number one. A sight gag, radio fans. Yes. Gag, yeah. <laughs> a newspaper in the room. I just I wanted to bring this up as we get into like talking about how we can fix this busted ass city. We're not going to explain the, the topic gag of Too late. Of no. Why. <laughs> There's an elephant. <laughs> My daughter owns a fucking plastic elephant. I've gotten no use out of it in the whole time that she's at it. I've got one sight gag out of it. Uh, so, front page of today's Miami Herald. How political influence in Miami-Dade is bought and concealed by uh, Joey Fletches and friend of the show, former guest Kyra Gearney. Wait, wait, hang on. Not bought and concealed by Joey Fletches. No, yeah, but well, like bought and concealed. Well, hang on, comma. let's not go crazy. We don't know what Joey's up to. Come, I, I, I gotta tell you, know, sketchy, know. sketchy shit. <laughs> In off hours. I know Joey. He's um, sketchy. So <laughs> he's this, all Fletches. <laughs> this is one of those stories where you kind of pull back the layer of corruption that 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 happens in the city our guest billy talks about it all the time um the way that people use thievery use election laws to sort of obscure the source of 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 funding and try to fuck with our perception of why people are trying to do the things that they want to do um and i just wanted to bring it up uh, at, at the kickoff of the show to to get started and you know just just throw it out there that this is good reporting should be supporting local journalism. Please, everybody support local journalism. This is crazy. I'm, I'm holding a printed version of the Yeah, where did you, the, where the, did you the, get the, that? The Doral exactly. Herald right uh, now. I stole crazy. it. Oh. <laughs> we should be supporting local oh, journalism. Yeah. Miami style by stealing it is how we should be doing it. Um, so. This is... <laughs> you, yeah. you just you cheated the paywall by it's, like breaking into the newspaper machine. Or <laughs> I mean, can you really picture paying for a newspaper? You know what, guys? Have you seen these fists? No. Fuck. Goddamn. I just. <laughs> I feel like the content deals. that's out there, I can't. I can't. Yeah, bring myself. Content wants to be free. Right. <laughs> except <laughs> except for our Patreon, which we haven't lost, launched yet. That wants to be three dollars a month. Yes. Um. So. Great, Another, Cody. Do they still? Print this this trash. I was gonna ask like what what kind of uh, what what your relationship with Cody is like because my relationship with Cody. <laughs> you have a lot of friends. You can't be Billy Corbin in this town and not have a lot of friends in common. My, my relationship with Greg Cody. <laughs> Fre <laughs> friends in common infers that Greg Cody has friends. By the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I met him and uh, I met him a lot when I was a sports writer on the Miami Herald, and he is unequivocally one hundred percent a human being that exists. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about him. Another quick article we wanted to bring up. We don't have a copy of it because it was a little too late to pick up a New York Times. But um, Francis Suarez, our mayor, got a byline uh, in, the, uh, in, in yesterday's Times where he was calling for um, more fortifications, more readiness for climate change, more preparation. 
in Miami, and he was doing that along with Ban Ki-moon, who was obviously the former uh, Secretary General of the United Nations. I would say to just, yo, there we go. Oh, wow. say poo-poo platter. Yes. Uh, we've been, again, another <laughs> yes. sight gag. It, by by been, the way, it's is, is also uh, Joe Carollo's hip-hop name, poo-poo platter. <laughs> if, we, if we're lucky, we can see Joe Carollo when we leave here taking pictures in the parking lot. Or of, beating his wife, which is another thing wife. he does. Joe which Carollo generally beats racist. his wife. I'm sorry. Joe Carollo beats his wife. I wanted to be perfectly clear about this in case we weren't. Wait, do you guys think that Joe Carrillo beats his wife, or I don't think that. I've I know heard that. that before. I know that Joe Carrillo beats his wife. Anybody out there who's like uh, a little sketchy on us um, making fun of Joe Carrillo, just remember this is a guy who worked on probably one of the worst presidential campaigns in the history of the. Of I'm not making fun of. States. I'm not making fun of Joe Carrillo. I'm very seriously stating the fact that Joe Carrillo beat his wife and supported George Wallace. Yes, for a segregationist. Yeah. And well-known racist. Who's somehow still alive because all the worst people live no, forever. No, not still alive. What, is he sleeping Tupperware? What no, are you no, talking no, about? Found yeah. Hatred. It keeps them fresh, <laughs> like in pickle juice or something. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's, how, that's how I feel about Chick-fil-A. Hate tastes great. <laughs> Billy spends a lot of time around uh, Miami Beach, and I, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring up this article with Francis Suarez and Ban Ki-moon because they're pushing... This agenda of um, you know climate readiness, which sounds good, yeah. But you've seen people like Francis Suarez. Francis Suarez is very interested in how climate readiness can profit him. Right. Yeah. How he can make money off of full it. stop through various public-private partnerships. Um, by, 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 by public-private partnerships, you mean uh, you mean privatize profits and socialize losses right. is what you mean. Exactly. Right. I, I hear you. I'm following so, you. So. Um, I just want to remind our listeners that it was only a month ago where something like 700,000 gallons of waste was being dumped from Philip Levine, former mayor of, of Miami Beach, his, his pumps that he so benevolently worked hard to, to, to get put into the, uh, you know, in, put in place to battle climate change, pumped 700,000 gallons of sewage, raw it, sewage, into Sunny But Isles. enough about Joe Carollo. But, uh, <laughs> but no, but, but it, the pumps, of course, serve neighborhoods and streets on which multi-millionaire Philip Levine owns properties. Property, yeah, exactly. So the pumps that the taxpayers have spent over $400 million on that occasionally work serve him and his personal property and, of course, benefit his bottom line and, 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 and personal businesses, private businesses, yeah. and not just the people of my... Lest anyone think that Phil Levine was doing this yeah. out of, yeah, the, the, the goodness... The goodness of his heart. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bill Levine. Or, sunny Isles today. Or, oh, yeah. That's, I couldn't believe you got in the water. I should yes. have told you. Wait. Like, I, wait. I, I you went to Sunny Isles today. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Sunny Isles. You're, how do you say it? it Visitor. Is, how do you say it? It's a weary, nice weary, lovely place for, <laughs> for bring Russian bride who pregnant with baby who become magical American. Is how we do this. Popular for water births. Um, so tonight our talk is going to be about... How we can, we know that this is a busted ass city, but how we can try to at least begin to fix it a little bit. Some of our problems, I outlined them poverty, uh, public transportation, uh, labor problems, labor challenges, red tide, stupid politicians, which is why we have Billy here, empty baseball stadiums that cost us billions of dollars. For the record, I, I'm not a politician. Right. I might be stupid, but I'm not a politician <laughs> for the record. Yeah. Um, our infrastructure literally murdering us and falling on us. Uh, <laughs> 
Half of our septic tanks being broken. FIU, building bridges. All Hashtag right. building bridges. Right. Swamp ass. Uh, but enough about Joe Carollo. <laughs> and Kendall Drivers. But that's a little bit of a local joke. I don't know if our international audience is going to get that. Um, K- Kendall is an international destination, I would argue. So I want to jump into our A block, our first, our first uh, interview here with, uh, with Billy Corbin, who we've already heard quite a lot from in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> um, Dave, why don't you introduce Billy? By trying to read through yeah, I, I black like, black it, it's black hard, font dude. on I'll, I'll, I'll underscore it. Yeah, I, oh man! So this is Corbin. a lot to take on, but to help us get through it is uh, our first guest, who's actually second time on the show. He's an internationally renowned, award-winning filmmaker. International from here to Kendall, bro. <laughs> you know him from <laughs> Cocaine Cowboys, The You, Broke, Square Grouper. You can catch his upcoming release, Screwball, at the Miami Film Festival. I think it's going to be on March 2nd. Right across the street. Tower I should have stuck around yeah, for that. That is if Joe Carollo doesn't burn the fucking block down first. Let's, hear how much, let's see how much of our audience is paying attention. Let's hear it for Billy Corbin. So, I guess some of them. Um, so first thing I wanted to talk about, we talked about it a little bit when you got here, is uh, you were on um, the new standalone Dan Lebitard uh, podcast recently, and you were talking to a local villain, David Sampson, um, responsible for probably one of the, no, probably the biggest public swindling that we've, we've had it's, here. How did it go? It's, it's, it will be the second biggest uh, uh, crime in the history of, of, of this community if uh, Jorge Mas and, and, and uh, you know, gets his uh, soccer stadium nonsense uh, through. Uh, if, if the city commission, which it appears as though they will, and the entirety of the city government bend over for Beckham, um, it looks like that will be actually and arguably a far worse deal for uh, the taxpayers because it, it's not a soccer stadium. It's obviously, like everything else in this town, a real estate hustle. Uh, and a shopping mall, and a hotel, and a quote-unquote tech hub. Because you know all these tech companies that are that are moving down here, right? Yeah. Everybody? They just can't wait for, for to be ankle-deep in shit. Like, yeah. it's so much fun when the new moon comes to, or the, what is it, moon tide, or what the fuck ever, uh, <laughs> for, to walk down Alton Road and to be covered in human feces. It's one of the best, most charming parts about this city. But um, so, Marlins Park, obviously, was a, was a uh, one of the most notorious sports welfare deals in history, one of the worst um, sports welfare deals in history in which the taxpayers of Miami-Dade County and the city of Miami uh, sp- are in the process, as we speak, in a 40-year cycle of spending $2.4 billion with a B to turn Jeff Loria, who destroyed professional baseball in Montreal and essentially destroyed it here in Miami, to turn him from a millionaire into a billionaire. So, uh, MAGA, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, and and this is this is sort of the the conversation, this idea that like we have this entitlement society where God forbid uh, Americans who uh, have trouble making ends meet, which as we just discovered from the United Way study in the last that released two weeks ago, sixty percent six zero of Miami Dade County residents cannot cover their basic cost of living. So sixty percent of our friends and neighbors, sixty percent of us as we sit here right now, cannot make ends meet in Miami Dade County. And yet, we are paying $2.4 billion to turn a private millionaire's business into a private multi-billion dollar uh, business. And, and so we do not have uh, an entitlement society. We have a, a, a crony capitalist uh, society. Um, and and, and I, I really resent appearing on a podcast with a villain, local villain. I love that. I should, 
like Dave, Dave, David Sam, I'm, I was going to say Dave Samson, but he would correct me. Oh, yeah. David. David Samson, um, where he calls me a socialist. <laughs> and I say, I'm the only one here, dude, who is defending the sanctity of capitalism, which is that you have to earn what you get. And you're the one who thinks you're entitled to it because you're rich and white and poor and middle-class people should shift wealth or sh should shift <laughs> poverty right. from themselves to your bank account. It's, it, was, it was outrageous. And, it was pressure, really. Is what, what his, his, his deal nine years ago, ten years ago, was very prescient with respect to the tax code that we saw passed last year. It was an upward funnel yes. of revenue from the poorest to the richest and it's going to be something that takes decades decades to, to, to cycle through and uh, you know he was ahead of the curve I guess yeah he's a real he's a revolutionary, yeah, yeah, a revolutionary. Uh, <laughs> this guy a, a regular Che Guevara uh, this guy um, but that's that's the bottom line is the idea that socialism is okay for millionaires and billionaires but it's not okay for taxpayers to spend I don't know $35 a week helping poor people feed their children or put diapers on their children. And the bottom line is, is that, you know, I, I, I was sitting in a room in that, in the case of that podcast with some very successful Americans, myself included, Levitard certainly included. And this country that we were blessed to either be born in or be citizens of have afforded us every opportunity to become successful. And the way that works is not that we now say, okay, all this shit is mine, or I need to find out how I can steal as much from myself and my team as I possibly can. It's about, we all now pay our fair share into this system that was so good to us to create opportunity for other people and to create opportunity for ourselves to continue to perpetuate the American dream. And what we're experiencing now in this country, the, the unmitigated greed, um, the, the sort of stealing from the poor to give to the rich is the absolute breakdown of the system. And it ensures that Capitalism will not persevere. It ensures that the American dream is dead, and, and, and it ensures that none of us will have the opportunity, nobody else will have the opportunities that we had to continue to pay into this system and perpetuate this this extraordinary experiment in democracy. That I think we can all agree that with the election of November of 2016 has failed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think, it's, it's over. And, and let's local, be let's be real. It's over. Miami is over. America is over. The Miami of today is the America of tomorrow. So as we've seen Democracia fail here, so too we've seen it fail nationwide. Right. And everybody was like, when I was telling, uh, preparing people for the inevitable election of Donald Trump as president of the United States, everybody was like, come on, that's that's not going to happen. I'm like, okay, let me tell you why it's going to happen. Because the Miami and the Florida of today is the America of tomorrow. Florida has elected Rick Scott governor twice so and then, uh, so and then and then maga what, 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 you're, what you're talking about is is a really good segue into my next question which is here in miami and you're a local miami guy you're from here born and raised here right you were born i was born i'm a, I'm a native floridian and yeah. a lifelong miamian so i grew up in the north miami beach area the only city in america with the word beach in it that doesn't have a beach in it <laughs> Because this is all a land hustle, as I say. It's all lies that came true. Everything's a real estate hustle in this town. So yeah. I think that a lot of times, as somebody who's been here like 13 years now, we talk about the most recent election, right? You threw your weight behind Andrew Gillum. I, I know reluctantly at first, and then you got on the train and you're like, yeah, okay, Andrew Gillum. And so as did I, and it doesn't matter. What not, reluctantly, not, re not reluctantly. Not <laughs> reluctantly. I needed to find my way uh, to him. I yeah. needed to interview the candidate. Bill Levine, I knew, was yeah. garbage. 
Uh, so that wasn't even an issue. I still refer to him as Governor Levine. He's a magician. That man made like $30 million disappear in that, gov in that gubernatorial uh, race. That's an entertaining at least. Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, the man's a, a punchline. So anyway, um, uh, so I was deciding between Gwen, Gwen Graham and, and Andrew Gillum. And honestly, to be, to be real, my joke was everybody's like, well, who are you? Come August. They're like, who are you supporting? Who are you going to vote for? I'm like, I'm going to vote for Andrew Gillum in the primary and Gwen Graham in the general. Because conventional wisdom was that, yeah, that, it, that... It did not seem until that, maybe like 9.30 at yeah. night. And for like guys like me and Nucleus, uh, we were pushing a guy like Gillum to be further left and to, you know, to not modulate. And to and he did win the primary in that with that strategy. But um, I guess my question is, the values seem wrong a lot of the times in Miami. Like what we're worried about, the things that we want, the things that we make our... You know, to the extent that we pay attention to politics, that we make our political program. Nobody pays attention to politics in no small part because they just got here 13 years ago. In your case, we have a we have a uh, a transient population and a lack of institutional memory. So, and 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 when you have the Miami Herald writing the same op-ed every 10 years, and Greg Cody. Uh, uh, writing the same column never every 10 a, years. Never met a deal that he didn't like. Never met a sports stadium. welfare yeah, deal he couldn't support. And same thing with the op-ed page. And if they really want to, they just, they just bought out a bunch of uh, a bunch of wonderful journalists. And what they really should do is fire the entire editorial board at the Miami Herald if they want to save a ton of of money and actually uh, and actually, as you say, support local journalism and yeah. and divert and and quit misappropriating those funds to the uh, editorial board and start spending that money in the newsroom that would be that would be absolutely uh, fantastic but the truth of the matter is is that uh, the herald who should be keeping track of that institutional memory so that we don't make mistakes like reelecting Joe Carollo to anything resembling our government um, or what's left of our government uh, in this community. Um, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to be doing as the watchdogs of this community. And they have failed in their fundamental and basic responsibilities. And that's why the Miami Herald went from a very significant local paper to this leaflet on famous Jewish sports legends that we're looking at, at, at now. Like, what the hell? Like, look at this flimsy little uh, at, pamphlet. At, at the, at the uh, that, DSA, we have zines that are bigger than this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And the truth of the matter is, we have politicians in this community our elected officials and our bureaucrats alike uh, who have warped, they have warped priorities and perverse incentives. And their priorities are warped in that they measure progress by the number of construction cranes that they can count on the horizon and the number of dollars that they can, public dollars that they could appropriate to billionaires and millionaire developers and sports team owners. And the reason why I say they have perverse incentives is that they're not negotiating with their own money. They're negotiating with our money. Our money yeah. And they're not negotiating leases on their property. They're negotiating leases on our property. And when you have conversations with some of these elected officials, like Ken Russell, like Francis Suarez, like Joe Carollo, uh, like Keon Hardiman, you realize they are so far gone. They are so lost. Their mentality is so toxic by... by in some cases, only a few years spent in government in this community, that they're, they have barnacles on the brain. They cannot be salvaged. They cannot be saved. And it doesn't matter how much good counsel they get, or in the case of Ken Russell, how outstanding his staff is. He is so far gone and so poisoned by the special interest money and the influence of entrenched uh, you know, uh, 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 political families like Francis Suarez that he is too far gone to be saved. And we have no choice but to try to find ways to, rep to just flush the toilet on the regalados. 
on the Suarez's, on the Diaz de la Portillas, on the Hijo de Putas, on the Barreros, on the, you know, you, you, we call them the- The five the, families. In New York, they call them the five families. We unfortunately have the Hardimans. We have the, and the list goes on and on of these names where you're just like the Sarnoffs in the city of Miami. Like, yeah. just give us a break here. Let, let, let the people breathe. Let them have an opportunity to have good government. But then you have the city manager, Emilio Gonzalez. You have, you have the uh, city attorney, Vicky Mendez, um, who are uh, qualified to do the job in that they are well-equipped, well-prepared, and daily helping to steal from the people of, of this community. And what hope do we have when every... Let me give you an example. The display that we saw last week at the city commission meeting with the Carollo court as police chief uh, uh, George Kalina had the cojones to finally call out because he was the only one who, who would, would, would say, like, you're not going to bully me, okay? Um, Francis Suarez let it happen. The city manager let it happen. The city attorney, Chairman Ken Russell, pathetic. What kind of chairman is he when he can control the flow of the meeting, the time allotted, the, all the speakers, including fellow commissioners, and he let this guy run rampant and embarrass the city. He set the city back at least 19 years to the year 2000 during the Elian Gonzalez scandal, okay, which was a scandal, and people went overnight to Miami City Hall when Joe Carollo was the mayor and in a very racist protest, tossed bananas all over the parking lot, including in the mayor Carollo's uh, parking space and hung a giant banner that said the Banana Republic of Miami. But they weren't wrong. Okay, and Carollo is back to wreak havoc on this community, wreak havoc on this block, on yeah, this street on this that we're on, on right now. And, to just, and, and the business who made owners... made the mistake of backing his supporter. Who that, honestly, or her, his opponent. That was the only thing. Who made the mistake of trying to revitalize right. this block and have, as evidenced by this wonderful business that we're, uh, that we're in right now. Shout out to the Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, so what we saw, the display we saw last week was outrageous. It was humiliating. Any Miamian should be ashamed of their, of their entire government. Not just Carollo, but the fact that no one was willing to call him out for this shameless display. And here's the reason. Miami City Hall is a glass house. And none of them want to throw stones because then the whole thing comes shattering down. All of their hands are dirty. And they know that if they call Carollo out for it, that they're going to be the next target on his hit list. And as you observed, all you have to do to do that is to throw a, an event for a political rival, which is classic Banana Republic, classic Fidel Castro third world bullshit. And every Miamian, and particularly every, everyone who is in this community who has fled some kind of tin pot dictatorship like Cuba, like Venezuela, should be shaking in their boots. Because what we saw, this guy exploiting the bureaucracy of the city, okay, and controlling the dais in the way that he did, and exploiting the bureaucracy as his own private Tantan Makut, code enforcement, and to come in and harass these business owners on this Parking street. spaces and You had to be, let me, let me say right now, and I wish that this was in the, in the Miami Herald front page and in the New York Times instead of Francis Suarez's nonsense, okay? You would have to be out of your mind to open a business in the city of Miami. You would have to be insane as a developer or a business owner to invest your money in this city. This it is a suicide here, yeah, mission exactly. with this government. Oh. Okay, bottom line.
So do not invest in this city. Do not move to this city. Do not create business or jobs in this city because you will live to regret it because of the government we have in this city. I, I could not write a better segue into, for both of us, we're going to get to our guest nucleus in a second, but we, uh, we, 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 wrote, we made some tailor-made games for you guys. So I couldn't have a better segue to the Billy Corbin game that we're going to play tonight. As Billy, Billy's got himself fired up, and, and I don't think... I don't think it's going to – well, this game is probably going to get him a little more angry too, so okay. we'll see. So this is the premise. As, <laughs> as you guys know, um, these public-private partnerships, this selling out, wholesale selling out of, of the, uh, the public trust is like Miami government's favorite shit to do. It's fucking cool. They love it. Um, so what we're going to do now is a little game called Looking Out For You. Okay, this game is going to be – we're going to read you the telltale marks of one of these public-private partnerships from recent history, Billy, and you're going to have to tell us which public-private partnership debacle disaster it was. Okay, so we're going to start off with a super easy one, probably one of the easiest ones we could think of. Miami taxpayers were caught up in baseball fever. They were promised a competitive, fun MLB team, a new commercial district in a beleaguered part of Little Havana, Tens of billions of dollars in economic development. Instead, today that portion of Little Havana is as desolate as ever. Storefronts around this project mostly empty. And as far as I can tell, I don't think we have a Major League Baseball team, as far as I can tell. So you would say that deal was the? The Marlins deal. The Marlins deal. Okay. So we understand. (laughs) How the game works. You do number two, Dave. Right. I feel like I haven't heard you fucking talk, dude. I know that you have to Let's do it. No, no, this is for you. I, you got to remember, I can't see what I'm reading here. We have a whole game set up just for Nucleus. He's going to have to answer all. Ho- hopefully, I, I can get through this. Uh, so, um, hey, wait, is this one it's coming soon. <laughs> yes, it is, actually. Thank you. So, this one's also kind of an easy one. Uh, more than 200 cities across the United States uh, made bids to the new headquarters of this mega retailer. Miami made it to the top 20 and lost. But during the process... We gave over virtually all data about the city in exchange for nothing more than a promise. There's no way to put a price tag on the competitive advantage this data holds, and taxpayers received literally nothing in return. Can you guess that one? I, I want to guess Gnocchi Barato, but I, I'm, I'm thinking it's more likely Amazon. Gnocchi Barato actually <laughs> did way more economic development. That's a good point. I would say Gnocchi Barato does more economic development every day for Cuba than they do for <laughs> than Amazon has ever done. <laughs> Um, all right, so this one, this one is a little bit of a, 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 this one's a little bit more, a little more tough. Directly across it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just recite this one from memory because I've had my own experience with these folks. This is a project that was in the works for over 25 years. Uh, it moved from place to place, temporary home for temporary home. Uh, they received a prime piece of real estate directly across the street from uh, Mykonos over on Coral Way and proceeded to do in the intervening three years that they've been open with this prime, beautiful, three-story piece of real estate, absolutely nothing. If you go there today and try to learn about the history of Miami's most signature people in this place, you're probably going to encounter locked doors despite millions of dollars in subsidies and direct payments. This story gives me a wicked case of the Cuban diaspora. I'll tell you that right now. The Museum of the Cuban Diaspora. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's kind of the Miami version of Montezuma's Revenge, I'm finding. So, uh, okay, next one. Uh, 
And the North- You're looking so svelte, can yeah. I just say? Thank so you so svelte. much. Thank you. I, I'm doing my best here. I had a beer tonight. That's probably bad. Oh, yeah. He's probably going to be on the toilet yeah, for the rest kosher, of the night. He's going to undo it all. Beer. Undo it everything. Uh, in the northwest corner of this county, uh, private developers are planning to build the biggest mall in the country. Despite objections about environmental and traffic impacts and the fact that malls are a dying part of the American zeitgeist, the plans are moving ahead. What's funny and what's, what's particularly disturbing about that is that could just as easily be Mel Reese, mind you. You know, uh, uh, because because that's not a soccer scheme. Soccer is a actually, yeah, it fits a lot of the same. Right, it's, but that's what the American dream. What are they calling that place? The American dream. Uh, exactly, you yeah. got it. Ding, Outrageous, ding, ding. outrageous. Yeah, every it's all about brick and mortar retail these oh, days. Oh, in case totally. you didn't get the memo, bro. Yeah. That, in that's case why Amazon is building all kinds in, of. In things. case you didn't get that 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 uh, that forward from your racist grandpa, uh, it's all brick and mortar retail these days. <laughs> so let's see if Billy can go five for five. This last one, I think you'll get this one. I give you um, 30 for 30, bro. <laughs> uh, 20 years ago, the county handed a private organization, very profitable private organization, 38 mil, a $38 million piece of land, promised to pay, uh, and, and a promise to pay $6.5 million a year in subsidies. In exchange, taxpayers were promised a share of the profits. But somehow, over the course of the next two decades, this very successful internationally known organization rarely ever turned a profit somehow. Um, it gets worse, parcel B. Yeah, so Miami taxpayers <laughs> lost and continue to lose millions and millions of dollars each year on this deal. And this is pretty outrageous because um, people don't really like to talk about this because, no. you know, to be fair, the Arison family has done a tremendous amount for this community. They, they, they unlike Jeff Loria and David Samson they have far better and the villains in the Marlins, community, yeah. they are definitely better corporate citizens in the community. All of that having been said, that doesn't entitle them to public property, it doesn't entitle them to privatize our profits. As you said, profit sharing has resulted in, I think, collectively over the course of this deal, which was uh, passed 20 years ago now, they've shared about $250,000, and they promised oh. a public park in the waterfront property immediately east of their, of their American Airlines arena. It is the Miami Heat organization. Um, and believe it or not, spoiler alert, it's another case of miserably failed sports welfare. So, Billy went five for five. Let's give him a round of applause. Guys. Woo! I get five beers? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you where, said you don't drink beer. I got, where's Dave and CC I at? five bottles of whiskey? You, you're, I don't know if your liver can handle that, but I guess we could find out. I live in Miami. I have a, an elastic liver. It expands and contrasts based on the needs here. So our, our next guest... Uh, works to help organize labor in one of the harshest labor environments that there is in this country. Miami is one of the least friendly places for workers in the, in, in the whole country. Uh, a lot of people work in the shadow or the gig economy out here. They cobble together low-paying jobs. They work insane hours uh, to make ends meet. For those that work the traditional you know, manufacturing or warehouse type of jobs, even they, are, they have this, the deck stacked against them with respect to the Florida laws. Um, so please welcome somebody who is trying his best every day to overcome that. Nucleus Shelton, Nucleus, welcome. Appreciate it, thank you. Hey y'all, I said welcome, Nucleus Shelton. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Appreciate so, that. I, I wanna sort of level set here because when we were talking about big, broad things with Billy, right. um, we, with this, it's very specific. And I think for a lot of people like in this bar and mm -hmm. a lot of people who listen to the show, might be like knowledge workers working in creative industry, stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe they don't understand terms or they don't understand the existence, I think, of, of 
a lot of most of the country and the way that they live and the way that they exist. We talk about Florida being a a, um, a state that is right to work. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So I think there's a huge disconnect when it comes to folks understanding about uh, labor, right? And just their, their context of how the, the current labor movement is and the context of how they fit in that, right? So the right to work means it's extremely difficult for um, organized labor to call open workplace elections and for folks to engage in uh, a democratic process within their particular workplace. And we have a legislature and a Supreme Court right now that's stacked against working folks, which makes it extremely difficult, right? So when it comes to right to work, uh, folks for striking or being engaged in any direct action work behind any issue campaigns that folks are working on, it just gets extremely difficult when, when the context of right to work comes into play. And we've seen Missouri had uh, a, an, an amendment that they would be considering which would allow right to work. Um, it, was, it wasn't successful, um, but it, I definitely think it, 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 it said a lot to the trend of labor and what's going on nationally, right? So voters in Missouri said, hell no, said fuck you really, to right to work. And we have teachers in Denver and uh, Los Angeles that are like making some noise, right? So right to work in the Florida context for the labor movement has definitely provided a lot of challenges for folks to just be vocal about shit that Denver and then LA makes it extremely, as, as we talk about teachers and the right for, for pay equity, uh, just bringing them into that conversation and the work that can happen. And right to work is difficult, y'all. Um, it's extremely difficult. It's like a, to... a really, I think it's, it's, I mean, you see it in the states where workers are, it's, it's not a coincidence that right to work is prevalent in the states where it fucking sucks to work. Like right. it is a bad, like you can just get shit canned for anything. You have no power. You're always in. And I, I think about that a lot when I think about our community, like Miami is a group of people who are very often on the wrong end of a power differential, right? right? Isn't that kind of the way that you see it play that's, out? That's definitely how it is. And with just local municipalities having to be in a position um, with a the apparatus of the state not necessarily as friendly towards labor as it should be, you see certain things that come out of that. You see laws around preemption that block local ordinances that would allow folks to make noise and represent what a, a living wage or what a prevailing wage on a particular development project would look like. And this, the right to work sets the tone for a lot of the legislation that you see coming out of uh, Tallahassee as it relates to trying to take away that concept of home rule for a lot of these municipalities. They it's like a power struggle. I'm sure you all know way too yeah. well. Uh, but literally, they're in power struggle with Tallahassee around a lot of folks are talking in their ears, right? Big developers trying to throw up large development projects, right? Um, are constantly talking in the air of a lot of these uh, politicians. And it, it really, it sucks to be in the context of a uh, right to work as it relates to preemption and blocking local ordinances that would allow uh, like things around living wage and, and worker retention particularly those those policy rights so i see i see a lot of roadblocks when it comes to the right to work context and being able to to organize and call elections i think a lot of people don't don't think about 
their workplace as a place where, I mean, you hear the, the term collective bargaining, right. but what it really means, usually for some of us, we only hear about it in with respect to sports or, right. you know, uh, lockouts in the NBA, things like that, right? right. But collective bargaining is powerful. Absolutely. It's to, to be able to get together with everybody and join hands and say, hey, we're not, until these conditions improve, we're not doing the work. And I mean, we saw it work. How did the government shut down just then? Absolutely. Workers definitely disrupted capital uh, that brought that, that shutdown to an end, right? Um, I think it really takes a lot in order to run a successful campaign. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work, particularly with moving the conversation at the airport around living wage. Uh, so currently the, the commission set a standard uh, for what living wage should be with the healthcare differential for workers contracted under funds that have been uh, allocated by the county. But a lot of airports have gotten into a trend uh, of skating around what county commissions say living wage should be. So what they do is they create subsidiaries that would skate that language, right? And you see, so American Airlines is notorious. Doug Parker, the, the, the CEO for the company said, American Airlines will not lose a dime. And that shit is upsetting because these people can't afford to pay their basic necessities. And the company is not complying with what the commission said living wage should be. So it's trying to pick these fights and apply enough pressure. But workers put an end to that, that shutdown. And the success of a campaign really depends on uh, the climate of the, the work environment and whether uh, folks are, fuck, are pissed off, you know what I mean? Whether it's, it's viable in order to, to, to call an election, in order for there to be representation at a particular workplace. I see a lot goes into a campaign, whether it's organizing, trying to take whether it's uh, uh, a top-down or bottom-up approach, so trying to identify maybe uh, some pissed-off workers, right, who know exactly uh, the ins and outs. Yeah, of, you have to be opportunistic. You absolutely. have to find a place where there's energy, where there's momentum. Right, and trying to understand if the campaign is viable. I think that's the most, and a lot of work and research goes up into that point before you go into and you invest in poor organizers and right. poor the the research into trying to figure out how to wage that fight. But a lot goes into determining the, the climate of the workplace before any any campaign is even thought about being successful. Um, it's definitely been... Uh, so, so that said, what are some other... Let's talk about things that we can do, right? Like if somebody's hearing this podcast and they have a workplace that they think would benefit from organizing, but they understand that Miami can be hostile. Florida is hostile towards that. Right. What What are some first steps that people can do? Absolutely. So I belong to the uh, the News Guild, um, which is the Communication Workers of America. They've been organizing a lot of folks in the digital space. And Miami, I believe, has a lot of potential for folks in the tech industry to start organizing and start really being able to control what their particular... Uh, production on their labor would be, right? So I think the the most immediate step for someone who's interested in running a workplace campaign would just try to connect with your coworkers to see exactly what the, the climate of your workplace would look like. And then reaching out to an organizer that would fall into the scope of your industry to, to try to leverage and provide organizing support behind running a workplace campaign. It's possible. If folks are pissed off and if there's enough 
uh, I guess, tension or just grievances within a particular workplace, I think folks can can call open uh, workplace elections, even in a, in the context of right to work, even under uh, a DeSantis uh, uh, leadership, right? <laughs> oh God! All right. <laughs> I like to fuck with him. It's to be fair to Jewish Dave. <laughs> to be fair to Jewish Dave, I thought he had he, he doesn't know shit about Miami. He doesn't know shit yeah, about what? Florida. We might as well be speaking Spanish. To I'm him. on vacation. Everything's Honestly. everything's great here. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Honestly, it's wonderful. If his nickname wasn't Jewish Dave, yeah. I would never know that he was Jewish. No, no, no. It's yeah. really hard I to tell. I would never, never. It's really hard that. to tell. Right. Never. Just say. I thought he looked a lot like the guy that um, the Magic Mike guy that was a werewolf on True Blood. I think you know what's his name? what's that guy's name. Joe Maginello or whatever. Yeah, Joe Maginello. Well, ever since he, ever since Jewish Dave lost the weight, yeah, he certainly so. looks like Joe Ma- yeah. uh, Maginello. You want to see the abs? No. Let me tell I you. Know. I don't think anyone. No sight gags you. on the podcast. So we we got a we have a, a game that we made just okay. specifically for Nucleus. Okay, let's go. This game is called Can the Bosses Really Do That? And it's about working in Miami, being a worker in Miami. What we're gonna do is we're gonna read off a few things, some it. scenarios, and you're gonna tell us why the bosses can pretty much I mean like spoiler alert the bosses can do almost anything they want or can't okay do that okay all right Dave why don't you start us off I got you all right cool so uh, you're a food service industry worker you come down with the flu you call in to tell your manager you can't make it in for two days and he fires you can your boss really do that I don't believe that your boss can do that but I think it depends right it depends on your workplace um, it depends on uh, Whether you're organized. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you have anybody to speak for you. and, and sort like of, we should be organized. Right, and follow grievance, right? But no, nah, it really depends. But in, in how I would like to view it, the, the management shouldn't have that type of control over folks in a particular space. Shit happens, you know what I mean? So I, I definitely feel as if uh, that should, that, it should be a law. That, that It should be a principle that that should not <laughs> take place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the next one, Q? <laughs> so the next one, you're a middle-aged knowledge worker. You quit your job and go to a competitor. Your old boss calls the new boss to tell him that you to tell him you have a non-compete. Without bothering to check if it's true, your new boss rescinds the job offer. This shit happened to me. This shit literally happened. You hear my wife laughing. She wasn't laughing six years ago when that shit happened. It, this shit literally happened to me. Uh, can the bosses really do that? Right. So pretty much dig up research on you before you... <laughs> yeah. So like they can no, do that. What, what happened is I made the mistake of being a nice, polite guy, quitting, and then sending an email to the old boss and saying like, hey, before you hear it through the grapevine, I want you to hear it from me. Oh. And uh, yeah. And uh, what happened next was, oh man, my first six-figure job went out the window. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So goodbye to that. Okay. Next. All right. Uh, you work in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. The conditions are awful. You are some. You and some of your colleagues decide to organize and bring your demands to management. The next day, you're all fired. Can they really do that? But enough about Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so they fire all of the employees. They fire anybody all who was considering. Everyone who is part of it. Is that, is that think, something that bosses can do Florida? or not? In Florida. In, in Florida, Florida, I mean, obviously what right to work is, is employers have that, that type of power, right? Sure. Um, but that would definitely disrupt capital, right? So they wouldn't be able to, 
as capitalists, they're considered about the bottom line, right? Bringing in and feeding whatever profit machine they have going. So I think any employer might not want to fire all of their employees at once and then trying to disrupt that culture and try to rebuild it again. But if they're like, vindictive enough. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're willing to take that type of gamble in terms of like the culture and trying to reinstitute that culture back. I mean, just getting rid of employees is one thing, but employees have a, a set of principles and, and culture that govern them that make the workplace possible, right? That like, and, and this is the beauty about like just just the union structure and stewards understanding the, the the connection between the different workers on a work site. I think that disrupting that culture and thinking that just by hiring folks you're able to reinstitute that again. I don't know. I don't know if it's that that's that's a successful. I don't. Maybe I shop at Trader Joe's too much. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I feel like there's more to the experience than just just folks that you just plug in there. So, so this next one, this last one, mm-hmm. is another one that legitimately happened to me. Uh, you're a bartender at a sushi restaurant in Orlando. The owner claims he is royalty from Thailand. Uh, but he spends most of the time in the upstairs mezzanine where his office is a draped off section from when the place used to be a sports bar. Your paychecks regularly bounce. And when you try to ask him what's up, all you hear are snorting sounds coming from behind the curtain. One day, you show up, and the doors have been padlocked by the DEA. Oh. You hear through the grapevine that the owner left in the dead of the night back in the dead of night back to Thailand. Your paychecks are worthless. Can the bosses really I, do that? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I, you know, you wouldn't have had to preface that with "this really happened to me." It is abundantly clear. <laughs> Look at with this the guy. specificity of that model. I mean, that can happen to anyone, guys. Right. Come on, that can happen to anyone. In right. Florida. In Florida. Totally. Yeah. In Orlando, especially. So he was in Thailand. Tell me about the story again. So he was like, <laughs> I need the long version of right. this shit. Right. So the guy claimed, in this hypothetical situation, the guy claimed that he was, uh, don't worry about your paychecks bouncing because I am a prince from Thailand. Wow. Which, by the way, I don't think is a monarchy or anything. I, he he, he might have been the prince of Thailand at Epcot, maybe. So he did have one guy that he was very good at paying, the guy that would come in once a day with a little baggie and go up to his office and, and leave and uh and, and then when we would you know go up there we would basically hear like uh you know, it was, sir can we what, what? Uh, what? Right. Like, uh, Thai, it was the Thai, it was the Thai donut powdered sugar the Thai obviously donut, the powered sugar. Right. somehow all of the all of the Thai donuts had no powdered sugar by the time he got done with them so um yeah the, well I guess I guess the larger issue that I'm trying to bring up is in Miami or in Florida I should say the the repercussions of we go back to the power differential. The repercussions of your paycheck bouncing, of your boss being a deadbeat, are nil. Like it doesn't seem like there's ever a, a, a you know, any redounding uh, penalty to to the people that do those kind of things. And it seems like in Florida, employers are held to much lower standard. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, I definitely think um, just this connection, this class analysis from folks that are in management sometimes. Yeah. Um, there's this huge disconnect, especially in. Um, so I worked stock a lot before, like starting to really organizing, and um, just the the amount of physical labor that folks would have to do, and then bringing that to management, and them not necessarily understanding like your your particular issues. That that's a reality for a lot of folks um, who work. Um, throughout Miami Day, you're at the uh, mercy, especially yeah. for Thai princes, as yeah. it turns <laughs> out. Yeah. 
pobrecito. I'm sure he meant well, but you know, but no. yeah, it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's a thing where you feel like you're alone a yeah. lot of times. And I think that that's really the benefit in the time. Like our listeners know that it's like a lot of people, I joined the DSA like a year ago. And one of the most valuable things I've learned about, even though frankly, I work in a place where it doesn't, like it doesn't, there, there are places where it's like, it, it matters more, I think, than in other workplaces. We're yeah. a small company, and I mean, we're pretty well taken care of. And I think a lot of people work in situations like me and are blinded to what other, like the the, the typical working class has to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so. It's, it's neoliberalism, man. So it's it's the attempt to uh, dissolve solidarity in order to create an unregulated flow of capital. So you can start putting downward pressure on wages, and you can make it extremely difficult for folks to organize so that you can fulfill a particular agenda. It's just like, and we know what, what we're up against. It's just trying to organize against that and be ahead of the ball uh, has been uh, difficult, especially the current composition of the state legislature uh, and what they decide to do. It's like the business community just continues to just clap at a lot of the efforts that folks are making, making to undermine labor because they, they understand uh, the, the capital that that's accessible to them if they were to uh, eliminate organized labor that 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 only pre-existing gap between uh, legislators and I think working families that can that unions have that organizational bandwidth and the uh, uh, and the financial strength in order to truly invoke change and I think that that folks in the business community and and round table and think tanks and, and <laughs> they understand that right and they're, they're actively trying to undermine that interest and that we and understand the, the, what we're up the against. sort of uh in vogue terminologies or, or ideas that come out are ones about free markets right. and innovation right and we're gonna all take it in the ass for a couple years but in a few years we're gonna realize how you know the the profits from that sacrifice but a lot of times that never comes and especially right. for the the typical working person that never happens right yeah so. And then, so a lot of folks, it's an American dream, but for many folks, it's an American nightmare, man. Um, and it's just trying to make sure that those folks have that economic equality, that they're off, that we're having real conversations and moving policy that affecting folks, you know. So I wanted to uh, just extend that to you all. Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me, y'all. And uh, yeah, just thank I you mean, for allowing like, me to talk about the work, for sure. Um, so... You know, one of the things that I was thinking about was, Dave, do you remember, we, we both used to live in Las Vegas, and they did this really aggressive city center that they built, non-union project. Some things were unionized, but, but a lot were not. And um, the Las Vegas Sun won a Pulitzer Prize writing about how many people were falling off of these buildings, these construction projects, because of rushed conditions, bad safety, like, you know, multiple hazards, and all these problems. And... I think that a lot of times, too, people think about union issues and they think about their wallet as opposed to their well-being also. Yeah. I think one of the most important things that that you said that that took away was, like, how can folks get involved in a way that's meaningful? And um, a lot of the conversations that came out... uh, We live in Miami. Miami, there's a lot of, like, development that happens here, right? Um, But what we can do is we can have conversations and we can mobilize to have... Uh, an effective and meaningful community benefits piece attached to certain development projects. Thank you so much. Um, I think that that's a way that folks can get plugged into in a way that's meaningful for the development work that's happening in Miami. Currently, there's no such 
community benefits uh, agreement that's attached to any development project. So community organizations um, largely are left out of the conversation when it comes to the impact of a local development project. Whether it's a capital improvement, whether it's throwing up a particular high-rise, uh, communities don't necessarily have a lot of input as to what developers should be responsible for for a particular project and um, your listeners and folks across Miami-Dade can definitely get tapped into the work in order to make the Commission understand the need to have uh, uh, an enforceable community benefits agreement with teeth that can latch on to these development projects and really start to have some type of tangible impacts for residents throughout Miami-Dade County for sure so look I want to take this opportunity to thank both of my guests, Billy Corbin, Nucleus Shelton. It's here, y'all. Hey! I, I think we uh, fixed this busted-ass city, don't you, Q? Yeah, I think the city is... Holy shit! Jesus Christ. I think this busted-ass city is officially fixed. Yeah. We're going to walk out. Every, the streets are going to be paved in gold. As long as Carollo ain't out there, we've won. I can't guarantee we've that. Won. Because I hope you parked legally. <laughs> you didn't go into... So look, one um, one last thing I wanted to bring up uh, before uh, Billy had mentioned it. Um, a lot of uh, it was announced today that the Miami Herald, which is really the only paper of record left in our in our city, um, had a lot of uh, is having a lot of veteran journalists leave, um, taking buyouts. People who have been there for a long time, people who know their beats really well. Some hacks, but I'm not going to call anybody out. And um, but enough about Greg Cody. <laughs> no, but he's staying somehow. Yeah, he's still How there. He's survived. Uh, he's an institution. He'll never go. Apparently. I mean, just no value add, zero. <laughs> Brings nothing to the table. This guy. I joked about stealing the Miami Herald, but please, if you're listening, if you're a Miami person, support journalism, whatever that means to you. Support local journalism. Um, I want to thank the venue. I want to thank Alfredo and uh, everybody here, at Union Beer Star. Hey. If you're in Miami, check out Union Beer Store. I want to thank, uh, I also want to thank Justin Aspiazu, our AV guy. Thank you, Justin. All of our Rock Orange people and DSA folks who showed up. The Leal clan, my family. Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, casa. Anything else to say? I only, I only, I only wish I had some paper towels to, to toss to you. <laughs> have fun, have fun. Yeah. Everybody, remember to uh, subscribe to Bird Road Podcast and uh, rate and review and all that good stuff. And, and thank you to again, thank you to our speakers for overcoming yes. some circumstances. Huh? Rocked, man. Huh? Rocked. Huh? Huh? What's that? Huh? 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 Huh?